0: You're listening to episode 47 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer and let's get to the show. I couldn't have guessed how much I would love this conversation with Jenna Irvin. What a freaking powerhouse this girl is. She opened the doors to her first business, a bar studio, by the age of 21. She sold it for double the investment in less than a year, and then grew two multi-six-figure businesses by the age of 23. But what I loved about our candid conversation, aside from the fact that she was literally evacuated because of a hurricane at the time and still showed up to chat with me, she shared so much about starting a business from nothing and learning the hard way on how to hire, how to grow a team, how to step into a leadership role. And she experienced so many bumps and bruises along the way that helped cultivate her into the incredible businesswoman that she is today. And she has done so much without all these years of experience under her belt. She's so relatable, so wise for her years. And I feel like anyone with a heart for something more, for a curiosity about what it takes to start and grow a business, you need to listen to this episode. Today's review of the day comes from Lindsay Liz, a great podcast from a successful entrepreneur. Elizabeth Hartke does a great job at sharing how to grow your brand and business. Her heart and passion shine through in this podcast. Oh my gosh, Lindsay, thank you. I am so appreciative of you and those kind words, and it's a lot of reassurance that I'm in the right place talking to the right people. When you leave a review, make sure you leave your Instagram handle so I can shout you out, give you that shameless plug, and help you grow your audience. Let's get to the show. All right, Jenna, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. Hi, it's so
1: great to be here. Thank you so much.
0: So I'm excited to kind of hear more about your story. I've kind of gotten little bits and pieces of it, and it's pretty amazing. You broke into business at a pretty young age and had already built a multi six figure business by the age of 23. So that's amazing. But what did that path look like to get here, to get to this place today? You know, Tell us a little bit more about you and kind of what came to be in order for you to build this business and scale it it's what it's grown to today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just have always kind of had a passion for entrepreneurship. Both of my parents own business together. So I kind of grew up with that mindset being modeled. And I went to college at High Point University in North Carolina. I was a basketball player up until that point. And so when I got to college, I was kind of searching for a new technique to dive into in the fitness industry. And in doing that, I found Pure Bar, which is the franchise that I now own, and just fell in love with the workout. And I've never been a workout from home person. So I went home for a summer and there wasn't a Pure Bar close by. And I was like, you know, if I really stick to this, like if I do this every day all summer and like still have this love for the technique and for the company, because I was kind of learning more about it as I was diving in. I was like, you know, then I will continue to look into it as it being a career opportunity. And I was blessed in the fact that I had some investment money put aside from stocks from growing up. And I hadn't really decided what I was going to do with that. But um, it was like important to me that I didn't just use it to travel or to do something that, you know, was going to be there and gone and then not be something that I could have a strong ROI on. So the first semester of my senior year, I did college in three years. So it was like my junior, senior year combined. I was taking a 24 credit semester. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think I'm just going to go for this. I was taking a business course. I had to put together a business plan. So I started to research the company. And I interviewed in November of the first semester of my senior year and got approved to be a peer bar owner. And I was approved for a market in Pennsylvania and quickly had some trouble with real estate and decided to shift markets to Maryland. So that was where I opened my first studio. And it was a town that I didn't know anyone. So it was a very interesting experience because I was just recently graduating college. You kind of say goodbye to your friends and are in this space of not really knowing what's next. And I think it attributed to my success for sure, because the personal life was kind of absent. So I really just like dove in. I had a really tough round of hiring, which I'd be happy to speak more about. Because um, so I think hiring for the very first time is incredibly challenging, because it's hard to find people that are in alignment with your morals. And I was basing everything truly off of resumes. So it made it very challenging Yeah, once I actually us all together and realize like, oh, the chemistry isn't here. And the peer bar certification is incredibly vigorous. So you do the training and then you have to submit a video within 30 days. And so that hiring process, it's like, it ends up being extended over like two months. So when I opened my studio, it was me and one other girl. she I only had one out of seven pass their certification. So I was teaching 35 classes out of 40 on the schedule. Oh my gosh, week.
0: Um, you're kidding me. And I me. kind
1: of reached no, it was like, it was honestly, when I look back on that time, like, you know, when you have certain times in your life, where you're like, I'm not actually really sure how I did that. That's like, that's like one of those times. I kind of just went into autopilot and it was the most I have ever been stretched physically and emotionally because I was also like lacking support in my personal world. I mean, I had my parents and all that, but none of them were close. So it was just a time where I felt very alone. And I think I just threw myself into the business. So that was kind of how I got to the start of my Maryland studio. And then I was the owner of that one for 10 months.
0: This is so incredible to me. So when you decided to open the Maryland studio, that was not an area where you had family or friends. So was that terrifying the thought of, because like when you're opening a storefront or a brick and mortar business, you're tied to that. Like that's your baby, especially if you're teaching 35 classes a week, you know, you're there all the time. So did it scare you to take that leap of faith, not only in general, but away from anyone and anything and kind of putting in roots there?
1: It absolutely terrified me. Yeah. And I think you're, you're kind of mixed with like, Like I knew that that was what I wanted to do. I had full certainty in my heart that being a bar owner was what was meant to be for me. The location took me a little while to wrap my head around because it was hard for me to envision building a community somewhere where I didn't know anyone and kind of what that would look like. And in a way, it was like this fresh canvas that I could paint in whatever way I wanted to. And there's a beautiful piece of that for sure. But the fear speaks louder when you're in that first early stages of walking into it.
0: Totally. And so what did your family think? I know you said that they're supportive, but what was really going through their minds at the time? My mom
1: is really great at just being support always. Like she's has this perfect mixture of grounding me and also giving me the courage to soar kind of at the same time. My dad is a much louder voice in my world. He kind of is way more emotional. And I get my emotional side from him. But he'll kind of speak to how he's feeling in the moment, which doesn't always leave you feeling super confident in what you're doing if he's having some doubts. I think he believed in me, but was a little bit unsure about the business model and all of that stuff because Bar is, for the most part, women. So it was like hard for him to kind of understand the business model and things like that, for sure.
0: So you started this business with 400 bucks in your bank account. You're fresh out of college. You're obviously ambitious because you complete college in, in three years versus four or for some people eight or whatever it's, you know, however long <laughs> they stretch it out. And then you take on all those classes because you don't have all the employees yet. Like you obviously have the grit and the grind, but at some point, obviously you had to so you didn't totally burn out. You had to tap into other resources and bring people in. What is it about you that like, have you always had that in you? Like, I know a lot of people have big ambitions, but they don't align their actions with their ambitions. So they end up disappointed and they end up quitting because they don't ever bring that thing to life. Because of course we can all dream big. Some people dream really big and convince themselves and have the confidence to know that they're going to achieve it, but then they don't put in the legwork. So you have no problem putting in the legwork. Have you always had that work ethic?
1: Yes. I think it showed up differently in different parts of my life as far as what that work ethic looked like. I I was a basketball player from the point I was three onward. And I played for a really competitive high school team because I went to a private school. So we practiced 51 out of 52 weeks of the year. And there was a lot that was expected of us on a day-to-day basis and the way that we carried ourselves and keeping our grades at a certain point that um, allowed us to play at the level that we did and practices, you know, all of the time. So I think that the, the work ethic was kind of in me from a very young age and my dad has always had, that mindset as well. I, you know, grew up knowing that he worked every single day. He never turned off even when we were on vacation and things like that. So it was almost like breathing to me to dream and to accomplish because he's a doer as well. And I was kind of, that was kind of just part of my upbringing is if you have your heart set on something, he always said, don't ever look back and say, I wish I would have, or I wish I wouldn't have. And so it just kind of instilled in me that there's really no great time to do anything. I mean there's never going to be this day where you're like this is the day to accomplish my dreams. And so many people comment on my age it's definitely something that played an, an insecure role in my life for a while. But it's at the same time I don't have a family, I don't have a husband like at the end of the day I was the only person depending on me. And so my success felt like it was on my own shoulders and that felt a little bit easier to carry in the early stages.
0: Sure, yeah. I could see that. You have the ability to kind of dive all in on it and to commit yourself to that hustle because you're not like leaving your children stranded or you know not seeing a husband all the time. So that was you say there's never a, like perfect time and I totally agree with that but it sounds like that was a great time. I think a lot of post college students like mull over their big dreams for a long time instead of just diving in and having having faith first of all and The courage to know that you're being guided because I have just this belief that, like, if you had jumped all in to this pure bar and it totally failed, it would not be for naught because you would have been guided on to where you're supposed to go next. You would have met the person you were supposed to meet, you would have had the experience and the learnings you were supposed to have. So, thankfully for you, that didn't happen. But I did hear you say you were in that studio for 10 months. So, what came after Maryland?
1: Yes. So, I was very blessed in the fact that the community became easy to cultivate, I will say within the walls of my workspace, the building a community in my personal life was ridiculously challenging. From day one in Maryland did not feel like I fit. And I really struggled with this mental dilemma of the fact that I was making more money than I ever anticipated to make doing this job. And yet I was so ridiculously unhappy at the same time. And I was going into work at 4.30 in the morning. I was leaving work at 9.30 at night. And I was physically and mentally exhausted. So I just didn't... I was having a really hard time envisioning building a forever life here. And I've always had strong ties to Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. That was our family vacation spot, kind of my happy place growing up. And I had spent some time there while my Maryland studio was under construction teaching so that I wouldn't lose the experience. You kind of go a week without teaching and you're like, what am I doing? So it's nice to kind of, it was nice to kind of have that space to continue to grow. And I fell in love with the studio and fell in love with the community. So the decision to move to Maryland was actually made much harder after it was built because it was, I was leaving even more friends and relationships that had been built. I was in a very serious relationship at the point that I decided to move, which definitely added a challenge. And so in July, I had honestly, not even looked at my sales reports. Like I knew that all of the bills were getting paid, but I had a bookkeeper and an accountant and I was demanded in the four walls of my space every single hour of every day. So anything outside of that felt like a luxury, even just like going out to lunch. So as far as like knowing what I was making and what I was doing, I just wasn't paying much attention to it. And I found out that the Hilton Head Island studio was for sale. And it was like this full body yes for me. I'm a really strong believer in intuitively. We always know what's right. Everything that comes after that is the world's justification of why we should or shouldn't do something. And it was the most raw and honest my body had ever been with me. Like, this is the right move. And then quickly, the justifications, the excuses, the reasons why not started to flood in because I'm like, I don't even have a year of tax returns. So I had an honest (laughs) conversation with my bookkeeper and... She's like, Jenny. you can sell this business. Like this business is more than profitable. And the Hilton Head Island Studio had been established for four years. So it was only something that made sense mentally to me if I could sell Maryland for the amount that I was going to have to purchase South Carolina for. And I was able to find a buyer fairly quickly. And once my numbers kind of spoke for themselves, which, you know, to be honest, I'm just abundantly grateful for, that just kind of came as a result of never leaving, (laughs) never leaving the studio. So the sale process was very long and growing. I started it in September and we closed right before Christmas of this past year. And I closed on the Maryland sale on the 21st. And I closed on the purchase of Hilton Head Island on January 3rd. No way. So it was like a matter of, yeah, I went home for a week, had Christmas with my family and then moved my entire life and my golden retriever puppy to, to South Carolina. And so that is where I am now.
0: Wow. That's incredible. And I I just want to highlight something you talk about because I believe the same thing. And it's I believe it in my bones, yet I don't always practice it. I think it's a challenging thing, which is you talking about how you intuitively always know what's right. Like your body's gonna tell you, your your heart's gonna tell you. But then very soon, I think people forget this, like very soon after that, if they ignore that whisper, then come the screams of other things that are a lot louder of why it's going to be hard or why it's not going to work or why it will work and just those justifications you talk about. So I want to highlight that because I think that applies in all things, business, motherhood, in a marriage, in relationships, friendships, leadership, everything of really tapping into that intuition and learning to hear it before the noise starts and knowing that when the noise starts, you don't ever become immune to that. You just learn to hear that initial voice and and really absorb it. So I appreciate you mentioning that because I think it's such an important thing for people to know.
1: And it's really hard to honor it. You have to have a really strong belief in yourself to believe that that intuition is strong enough to guide you. So yes, I agree wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And life is crazy. It's chaos and there are always a million moving pieces. So it's easy to ignore that intuition and not even notice it. So you have to find that those moments of stillness to do it, which is hard when you're running a business and you're working around the clock. Very so much. I want to talk about owning a brick and mortar because I think this is very different and what a lot of people don't understand. A lot of the people that listen in are either online business owners or they're bringing their business online and they're scaling aspects of their business in a way that doesn't require a storefront. And I give you so much credit for building a profitable brick and mortar because so often I think people fall short of being profitable for quite a while. And I think there's this, what I call the shark tank effect, which is, you know, we see it all the time. People come in on shark tank and they're pitching their amazing business and they're saying how much, you know, Oh, we made 3 million this year. And it's like really flashy and sexy and amazing to us as viewers. But what, the viewers don't realize is that oftentimes because of all the overhead and the time investment that you have to have and all those other things that come with opening a store, sometimes that profitability doesn't equal money in your bank account as an owner because you got to pay your employees and you've got to pay your rent and you've got to take care of your trainings and all these insurance and all these different things that come with it. So when you are opening the doors to this business, let's now we can kind of move to South Carolina and talk about that one since you're, you're stationed there now. What are some of the things that a lot of people don't take into account that maybe snuck up on you when you open the doors to this business and you're like, oh, this isn't just opening an amazing bar studio where people everybody wants to come and be a part of it. and what the customers see. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that they don't know about. What kind of stuff comes to mind when you think of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I love the Shark Tank effect. That's a very good way to coin it because I do think that the vision that most people get of business owners, and you feel it even as the business owner. I mean, it even comes so much that it's like face to face with people thinking that you're making so much money and doing so well because they see full classes and wait lists and things like that, and they're like, "Oh, she's absolutely crushing it." And looks can be deceiving, especially in the early days. I think for me. I have such a heart for what I do. Like it literally lights my spirit on fire. And in the early stages, it was really challenging for me to let that speak the loudest, to let my passion be the driver because navigating a money mindset and this being really my first job in the world ever and being my own boss and having other people's incomes and things like that be dependent on my performance, the pressure started to speak louder than the passion was speaking. And one of my favorite things is our strengths. When they're turned up too loud, they become our weaknesses. And I think that in the early stages of business ownership, that was the biggest thing for me is all of my, everything was just tapped out. That actually zoning in on what was important was really hard because on the days that I show up to my studio and I'm focused on what our daily sales report is going to show at the end of the day, I am at my worst. Like I'm functioning at my worst because the pieces that are asking me to show up that day, I'm totally ignoring. Like I'm unable to even tune into that. And I think setting boundaries with myself and understanding that my success wasn't determined on a day to day basis because as a business owner, that daily sales report holds a lot of power. There was a time where it was the very first thing I looked at in the morning. My alarm would go off and I would go right to the app and open it up. And it creates a really unhealthy, emotional relationship to your business. And it took me a few months to really understand how that was impacting how I showed up. And there's a million pieces of advice that you'll get. And everything kind of stems to the money center. And I really don't like that. Like I am so grateful for the income that has come from what I have chosen to do. But that's not why I show up every day. And so I think for me, especially with it being a brick and mortar business. It's like people are seeing my face every day. Like I am the face of my business. My classes is what keeps people coming back and paying their membership fees. And so it's important that I'm my best self for them. And in order to do that, like I have to have different compartments of my brain that I go to at different times where there's hard boundaries set so that that stuff isn't spilling in to the day-to-day and to the stuff that is actually really important sometimes that stuff cuts like hidden underneath the little daily stresses that are always going to be there.
0: Yeah. So much wisdom there. And I love that phrase you had is that sometimes that pressure starts to speak louder than your passion. And that's when you start to tiptoe into a dangerous game as a business owner, because when the passion is taken, it's not like everything you do all day is full of passion. It's not like you love like running your numbers and doing all these things that are the behind the scenes, not so glamorous parts of owning a business.
1: I think that's a good point. Like the hiring, the choosing to hire people that have strengths you do not yes. have. Like I have, you know, I have a studio manager here in South Carolina, which I did not have in Maryland. And I tell every person that I talk to, like she meets my weaknesses with strength. Like she and I are total opposites. She's so detail oriented, and mm-hmm. I was having pack yesterday, because as I told you, we're currently evacuated for Hurricane Dorian. And I was like, you know, nervous about the numbers and the sales effect and all the things that were going to happen. And I had an Excel spreadsheet from her in my email inbox an hour later, just explaining like where we were at this month, the fact that we're already ahead of last year, and just this like concrete example that we're going to be just fine. And so I think hiring people that compliment you and that like are able to take your weaknesses and be strong in those areas is so essential because it is not supposed to be a one-man show. Like it's just, you know, none of us have that full capacity to hold space for all of the things.
0: Yeah. And it's almost a guarantee that that, that passion will turn into pressure because you can't scale to the levels you want to get to and, and really meet your ambitions, trying to drive everything on your own. And it's not that you can't do it. It's, that you shouldn't do it because there are people who are either more capable or will free up either your physical time or even like emotional space and energy that taking something off your plate means that you're not thinking about it, which means you can pour into the the corners of your business where you belong. So on that topic of hiring, you kind of briefly mentioned a hiring nightmare in the beginning. So tell us about that and what you've kind of learned from that experience.
1: Yes. Nightmare is like a kind word for for what that first was, but I didn't really know anything going into this venture. So I literally was following a checklist. I was like, if they have dance experience and, you know, things that are going to help them be a great teacher, that's what I'm going to look for. And I have a really strong, like gut and intuition that has always spoke really loudly to me. Like my mom used to always tell me that I've been 18 since I was born like I just have intuitively always been very strong in my values and my beliefs and like don't really ever waver and it's not like me to follow a detailed checklist of something like it's very much more like me to flow through my life and follow my heart and so I wasn't noticing that I was doing that in this experience but I held interviews and I held auditions I had them put the microphone on like I covered all of the steps and I never thought about how we were all going to mesh together. So in your franchise fee for Pure Bar, you get six training spots, you know, for your initial first round of girls. And I piled us all in my SUV and we drove to South Carolina where training was. And in the car, no one spoke. It was just like oh no. completely silence and I was like trying so hard to get conversation going I was like trying to like play games I felt like I was driving like elementary school kids because I was like trying to like figure out ways to like get conversation going and nothing was working it was like my words were kind of left with silence so I'm like okay it's gonna be fine they're just nervous like I in my head I'm just talking myself totally out of the experience And we get to training on day one, I had picked their like room arrangements, they were going to stay with each other, we get to training on day one, I'm like, okay, they've had like the whole night to get to know each other a little bit, this is going to be better. And it continued, like no one was talking to each other. And we were, you know, during training, everyone was listening. But I could tell that none of them looked like happy to be there. And after day one, I had three of them come up and like, tell me one-on-one that they didn't expect it to be this hard. And I thought that I had done an okay job at explaining the fact that it was a huge commitment, but this made me feel really, really insecure in my choices. So we had a team dinner that night. There was like a little bit of conversation and it was still just the whole entire weekend was terrible. They all completed it. Which there have definitely been owners that have had people leave the train. Like, it, you know, I was, they did all make it through the whole four days, but that doesn't make you certified. So I had a practice schedule that I sent to all of them the day after we got back. The first week, I had just two girls show up to their practice times, one of which came to be the vital piece of my business and why it was worth so much in the end. She's a piece of gold. And that was the one good thing that came out of this indeed hiring experience. But those two showed up. She was the one that ended up following through with it, was doing very well. She was where she was supposed to be the whole entire time. The rest of the girls just kind of totally dropped the ball. I got ghosted by two of them. I'd never been ghosted in my whole entire life. So oh it was God. a new experience for me. Uh, they just kind of stopped responding. and I, They were just out in the air somewhere and, you know, your financially training is a couple thousand dollars. So you're very financially invested in these people at this point in time. And we were a month away from opening. So it didn't really allow me much time to hire anyone else. And at this point, I was doubting my ability to even choose good people. So I was like, well, maybe I should just do it all myself. Don't ever say that's n- <laughs> never the answer. So I ended up opening with just, they ended up both passing their certification. So I had both of them certified, one of which was only able to teach one class a week. And the first few months were a blur. It was incredibly demanding to be expected to teach and run the business and make sure that the retail got put on the shelves because we double as a high-end retail boutique. So we have classes and then we carry brands like Beyond Yoga and Aloe Yoga. And, uh, It was just a a 24 7 job requirement. So, about two months into owning it, I had continued the crazy schedule and I had a girl come up to me. She came on the very first day of opening, and it's like my favorite story of being an owner. It was like the proudest moment I've ever had. She came in on the very first day wearing like gray sweatpants and this bright orange t shirt. And if anybody knows anything about Pure Bar, it's like half of it's about the outfit. So, I was just like, Loving the fact that she was, and it was a 5 30 a.m. class, and she was just like rocking the sweatpants. And I could tell that, like, she had no idea what she was doing, but she was so determined to figure it out. So, for those first two months, she was there every single day, sometimes twice a day if her schedule allowed. And she came up to me on like month two. And I just remember knowing intuitively how much courage it must have taken her to like walk up and even talk to me about a hiring opportunity. She's like, What does it take to become a teacher? And I explained the process a little bit to her. And she goes, I have absolutely no experience. She's like, nothing qualifies me for this job. But she's like, I want to show my two little girls that your dreams are able to happen if you work really hard at them. And I like literally just started to cry because at this point I was (laughs) desperate and just like abundantly proud of her for having the courage to do this, but also totally unsure of how this was going to pan out because it could have gone one way or the other. And I was like, I'll book you to training next weekend. And I just like said yes to my gut in that moment. I didn't even tell anyone that I had hired her or talked out loud about it. I was like, I'm just going to go with this. She got back from training. She was the farthest thing from a natural, which so was I. It took me, I failed my video three times. So I'm not a natural either. And she was there every single day. Any hour there was a break in the studio, she was there working. And she is now the manager of the Maryland location and was the absolute best hiring decision, not just because she panned out, but because it was this moment of me recognizing in the position of leadership that I knew what was right and that my heart was able to guide me, even if I didn't have the experience or necessarily the knowledge at this point that intuitively, like when I said yes to my gut, that it was going to lead me in a direction that was going to pan out, whether it was perfect or not. So that was kind of a pivotal point in my hiring journey.
0: I have goosebumps and I got a little emotional hearing that part. I'm just picturing this woman, you painted a very vivid picture and I can feel what she said to you, you know, and I've felt that like you just have on your heart that you want to be able to show your children or the people in your life what's really possible. And for her to have the courage to go to you and for you to just listen to your heart and your gut on that one and what that led to. And it's such a scary thing to do as a business owner, because if you were looking at her resume, it would not you wouldn't have even had the conversation with her. It would have been a no.
1: Yeah. I never even, I didn't even look at it. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm just going to go with it.
0: Yeah. And it's just, I recently had an experience with, with the hire of bringing someone on who had much less experience and less experience in what I needed her to have experience in, but it was just all roads led back to her in my in my gut, and it's been such a good decision so kudos to you, and I love that story it's so it's just so powerful and so impactful so you've been kind of through it all as a business owner. I would love to know. What's the dream? Like what's the vision from here? Because you clearly, you know, every time you have a dream you go after it. So I'm curious to hear what what's next.
1: Yeah, I think my parents are begging me to stay to stay still for a little bit. I think for me, I've never been in a place where I have felt I don't really like the word content because I always am looking to grow, but I've mm-hmm. never gotten to a place where I'm like, you know, I just feel really good about where I am now. And that's where I feel about my current situation. I'm so connected to the community. And personally, I'm thriving, which is something I haven't had in years. A lot of times when you put your dreams first, you lose a lot of people along the way. Mm -hmm. And I lost like a lot of the friends that I was close to in college the guy that I was dating that I thought I was going to marry that I was madly in love with, he just like walked out the door the week after I opened my Maryland studio and said he couldn't be with the woman who was more successful. And it was just kind of this like eye opener because you're so blind to everything. You're just like, this is my end goal. And like, this is what I have to do to get there. And then you kind of get there and you realize like how much you lost, but also how much you gained along the way. And I think for me, I'm just at a place where my studio that I took over was on life support. So we've been on a very strong growth process that has really just looked like building trust and engaging in the community, showing them that I care about them as people and that I'm here for them. So I think at this place, it's just reaching the goals that I have with my current studio. And then I'm also really, really passionate about helping other women kind of step into their power because I think that. So often, we allow the world to speak louder than our heart, and then we're just kind of walking the life that everyone else thinks that we should. So I kind of have a really strong desire to step into that a little bit more. So I write, and I have a blog, and I've started to do coaching consultations with that and take on a few clients who just kind of want a space where they feel held to step into that next chapter of themselves, even if it's just in their personal life. So, that's kind of what it looks like for me. just continuing to grow and you know work on my own personal development and live a life that's a little quieter like that's the be- that's my favorite part about where I live right now is the world's so loud and so fast, and I have the luxury of living somewhere where it's a little quieter and a little slower. so mm-hmm. I think just leaning into that and actually living instead of just like existing for everything that comes next, so
0: yeah, yeah, good for you. Yeah. I'm excited to watch it all play out, even the parts that are just you slowing down enough to take it all in. So, what advice would you give to that person who's kind of sitting on the fence right now as to whether they're they have what it takes or that they that now is the right time or whatever it might be from diving in on their dream, from like going after this thing and putting in the work? and aligning their actions with their ambitions and having the courage to start
1: i love the courage to start because i think that the first step it requires it's the most vital it requires the most amount of courage by far and that first step looks different dependent on you know what your dream is and where you're hoping to go i think my biggest advice and you know someone told me this when i was opening my first studio and i've kind of taken my own take on it is the beginning is you acting like you're an expert and things where you're merely a beginner. It's like, you're having to to walk like a leader when you're not really sure what's coming next either because everyone that's under you or that's working with you or that's hearing about your dream, like you're that, you're that top person, you're the leader. And so I think stepping into that leadership role is at least for me was the most challenging. And so I think my biggest piece of advice is to trust yourself more than you think that you should. And I think that the biggest mistakes I have made in my business thus far, and they still continue to happen because self-doubt is something that shows up for us always, is when I'm out of tune with that. When I'm living out of alignment and I'm making decisions based on what somebody else tells me should be done. And I own a franchise. So there there are times where Things are presented to me that the mass group is choosing to do, and I have to choose not to because I own a specialty market. And it's an uncomfortable space to be in when you feel like you're going against the popular opinion. But I think learning to trust yourself and and from an educated way, I mean, obviously you don't want to make decisions and act like you know it all, but I think from an educated way of trusting your gut. And that's how I lead my business. That's how I lead my girls. And I show up vulnerably because I think sometimes as a leader, we have this false sense of feeling like we need to be perfect because we need to model what we're hoping to create. And I tried to do that in the beginning. It doesn't get you anywhere. It just makes it very hard for you to be approachable to both your clients and your team. And I think there's a fine line there of having boundaries and making sure that you're not also their therapist. But I think that, you know, giving yourself the opportunity to show up as you are opens the door for you to Give to your business in a way that you never can when you're operating from a space of like always worrying where the money is going to come from and what everyone else is saying about your decisions. You spend so much time in the busyness of it all that you're actually not appreciating your dream whatsoever. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice for sure. Mm,
0: That's good advice. I like that (laughs) a lot. And I know our (laughs) listeners that will really strike a chord for a lot of people who are right there. Like they're so close, they're so ready to start. And They need to start listening to their heart a little bit more. So, thank you for that. I think
1: it's a lot of times there's not, you know, there is things to lose in certain senses, but at the end of the day, it's like I honestly believe that failure is our greatest teacher. Like, there has not been one failure that I have had in my life, both personally or professionally, that hasn't taught me an abundance of like lessons. And I am a better girlfriend, I'm a better sister, I'm a better daughter because I'm a business owner and because I failed. And so it's an opportunity for growth. And I think that the fear of failure is what holds so many people back. And failure is actually incredible because it's like, okay, well, I know the next time I do that, that that's not the way to do it. And it's like, you know, and sometimes it is trial by error because you're doing a lot of things for the first time. And it's just, I, I think, reminding yourself in the moments where it doesn't pan out the way that you think it should that it's actually an opportunity for you to create even more abundance if you take that approach of looking at it like a lesson.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this has been amazing and I could chit chat with you all day because I love hearing just your, your outlook on things. I mean, doing all of this at such a young age, but in talking to you, it's so apparent that age really doesn't matter at all in this process. So there's so much wisdom in your words and yours don't matter. So tell us, where can people come find you if they want to connect?
1: Yes, definitely. I'm pretty active on my Instagram. I'm just at Jenna Ehrman. So J E N N A I R V I N, And I also have my blog and a website, which has, you can book coaching consultations and everything through that as well. And that's just the letter J and then
0: standingtall.com.
1: So that is where I can be
0: found so awesome well we loved having you and i'm so excited to watch all the incredible things that you continue to bring into the world so keep doing amazing things jenna thanks again
1: thank you so much elizabeth i appreciate the opportunity
0: thanks so much for hanging out with me today before you go make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies freebies for my homies obviously and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all of the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.